Amen. Thank you, Ben. Um, and that was a wonderful introduction to um, the series as well. So I'm going to change how I start slightly. and I'm going to read straight from 1 Corinthians 12. So if you have got a Bible or on your phone, um, do open the Bible. But before we read from the, the passage, let me just introduce myself. If you're a guest or visitor this morning, a huge welcome to you um, from me at St. Thomas's here. We're, we're just so glad you're here. And we know it's the end of half term. So there's a few people who've popped in to visit. It's, it's just it's really lovely to have you with us and you're our guest and um, we hope you really do meet with God this morning and so um, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 12 um, so do have that open in front of you and if you've got a pen or a way of making notes um, that'll be really useful today as well but let me read from 1 Corinthians 12 I'm going to read the whole thing but we're really looking at the illustration that comes in the second half of this chapter when Paul uses this extended metaphor that the Christian church is a lot like a body but to understand that, we need to know a little bit about the context that this is, is written in as well. It's about gifts, spiritual gifts, um, to this specific church. So I'm going to read this out now, 1 Corinthians 12. Concerning spiritual gifts. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing, by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between the Spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. And then this is the illustration that we're going to be looking at this morning. Just as the body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. 
and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our unpresentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater onto the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, and of guidance, and of different kind of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, all teachers, do all work miracles? Do you all have the gifts of healing? Do you all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Fantastic. That was a long passage, wasn't it? And we're going to really talk about, um, in our vision statement that Ben Ben gave us some context at the start, we, we talk as a church about following Jesus, building community, and loving Newcastle. And last week, Adam did a fantastic job unpacking for us following Jesus, encountering God, prioritising presence with Jesus, that it's costly. And he helped us um, articulate a sense of pursuing Jesus this year and gave us some application points to consider. Today, we're talking about building community. And one of the things we're really going to talk about is building healthy community. And, um, And so I'm not a GP, I'm not a physio, but Paul uses this extended metaphor of the body and he runs it both ways. So we really get the point. For those who feel like they don't belong, you do. God has called you to Christian community. God has placed you in community. And those who feel like we don't need others, there's a challenge in this for us to consider today as we this year try and prioritise what can we do? What, how before God can we um, pray for ourselves to be a more healthy community? Now, before we get into this chapter, let me introduce you to the Corinthians. Um, at the moment, I'm studying to be... Um, trained to be a vicar and um, one of my lecturers Philip the warden of Cramer Hall he loves the New Testament particularly Paul's letters and he did this wonderful little introduction to the, the letter of Corinthians which I found really helpful so if anyone here likes history I'm going to give you just a little bit of a history lesson of the Corinthians because I think it's really useful to understand some of the context of this letter unlike other letters um What we've got about Corinth is we've got some stuff in the Bible, but we've also got a lot of archaeology. I don't know if you knew that. So near Greece, as we know it today, there is the... Um, the peninsula at the, the, the bottom and Corinth, ancient Corinth would have been situated right on like a landmass that, that joined together two seas but also connected that peninsula to the landmass of Greece and um, you've got the Ionian Sea on one side and the, um, another sea on the other side but anyway Corinth unlike other cities was never built upon um, so all that ancient archaeology is all still there in the ground and one thing we know about Corinth is that it was really um, wealthy it was thriving economically and um, all sorts was kicking off in the church and Paul has written this letter really because he's concerned about the Corinthians and the way that they're doing church they're doing church in a Corinthian way and there are those with better gifts that obviously think they are better Christians and in this letter verse 1 it said they're talking particularly about tongues and prophecy 
But there's lessons we can learn about this specific letter to a specific group of people about specific gifts that help us understand how we can be a better family of faith, a church following Jesus. So Corinth is ancient Corinth, this thriving landmass economically, one of the new cities. If ancient Athens was the city of history and ideas and of thought, which was the neighbouring city, Corinth was this young upstart city. The streets were literally paved with marble. If you walk around it today, you can see the sun glistening. Um, there's, there's some stories in the archaeology, like this huge pillar in the town square by a, 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 an ex-slave called Babius, and he'd built it in his own honour, and he writes all of his achievements on the pillar. And so you've got this, they've got another um, slave who'd been freed called Erastus. We read about him in Romans 16, we think. I'm convinced, Philip's convinced me, I think it is that Erastus. He ended up being like one of the chief operating officers of the city of Corinth. And if Athens was this place of history and ideas, Corinth was this city of uh, economics and prosperity. And and social fluidity. These slaves had, had, had risen to the high ranks of public office in the city. Erastus's campaign, who was sort of like the chief town planner of Corinth, he promised the city that he would um, redo the paving. And so as he did the city streets, um, the limestones there in the city, and he'd wrote in his, basically his CV, look, look, I've fulfilled my promise to you in bronze in the stones on the floor. So you've got this city that's thriving economically. People are rising up through the ranks. They can go from the bottom stat status of society, rise to the top office. They love to display their achievements. So there's a culture of self-publicity. But it was also um, a culture that was socially anxious. They were status, uh, they had a, a, a quite high sense of status anxiety. There was these regular demarcations in the community of, um, I want to be seen being with a certain group of people. And so you've got this weird way of doing friendship in Corinth. Friendship often came with an agenda who you gave gifts to, who you ate with, spoke about where you sat in the pecking order of society. And so at its lowest point in Corinthians 11, you get this weird thing happening where the rich and the wealthy and the high in social status are starting to do the Lord's Supper separate from those they perceive weaker in the community. You've got the rich, the great and the good getting drunk and eating lots of food while they celebrate the Lord's Supper. And those in community who are a little bit lower in the perception are separated and they don't get it. Friendship came with an agenda. It's a good job 2,000 years later, 2,000 miles away, we aren't struggling with those kind of issues anymore. There is something in this letter to the Corinthians for us to consider a principle as we think about how can we here in Newcastle today build a healthier church? Because the truth is in our city, from the way that we plan our towns or who we still choose to spend time with, often the poor bear the brunt of the cost of our choices. Even as we do church together, just to name the plank in our own eye. Sometimes we do feel or use relationships with an agenda. You know, they, we've all maybe felt that way in church. I don't want to paint us as the idealistic church, but there is something in this chapter that it, 
that raises our aspiration about what church could be. Why was it given to us from God as a gift? Because we've all felt at times, they don't really want me. They want my money. They don't really want me. They want me to do something for them. And these words in 1 Corinthians 12 are a wonderful challenge to you and to me. So does it matter at St. Thomas's what kind of community we are? Does it matter the status that we hold in our community? What kind of serving we do? What team we're on? Or if we're not on our team, does that affect the way that we value one another and love one another? Well, it shouldn't. Or who we're friends with or not friends with? How does that make us feel? These are the kind of questions we're going to be bringing before the Lord in prayer today. And here we've got this beautiful picture of a body. Paul illustrates it and says, this is what a healthy community should look like. So if you've got your Bible open, I want you to look at verse seven. Verse seven is going to be our sort of building block verse this morning. The one which basically unlocks all of chapter 12 for us. It's something of a summary verse. And I'm going to draw three points out of that verse to help us understand what is Paul trying to teach this community in Corinth? And what can we learn from the Bible today? What might God be saying to us So verse seven reads like this. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. 15 words that would have turned the Corinthian worldview upside down. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. That gifts are given to all, each one, from God, a manifestation of the spirit, for others, the common good. To all, from God, for others. So if we ask the question, how many Christians are spiritually gifted? The answer is all of them. That's the first thing I want us to see this morning as we're looking at this chapter together. I want us to see that every believer has the Holy Spirit. Read verse three. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking of the Spirit of God can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Every believer has the Holy Spirit and every believer is spiritually gifted. Therefore, there are different kinds of spirits, reading from verse four, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working in all of them and in everyone, but it is the same God at work. We all have the gift of the Holy Spirit if we believe in Jesus. And every believer, to everyone the Spirit distributes, we all have a gift. And those gifts aren't just supernatural, things that impress from the front or speaking in tongues or prophecy. Though they are those things, verse 28, there was a list for us the gifts of being an apostle, the prophet, teachers, miracles of healing. But there are also gifts that are not divine, so to speak, or spiritual, gifts of helping or administration. Although I would like to argue that those things are from God and they are spiritual. They are divine. One, one translation, yours might have it, the gifts of administration. If you'd worked with me on the team here, you'll know that I think that is certainly a gift from God and a gift to this church, those who are gifted with the gift of administration. 
And they're not all the gifts in the Bible are listed here in the Bible. There's other gifts that we read about, the gift of faith, the gift of friendship, the gift of prayer. So some of those gifts are supernatural. There's other, Romans 12 is another list of gifts, those who've got the gift of leadership, those who've got the gift of generosity, making money. So these gifts here that are listed in Romans 12 aren't comprehensive. It's not like you have to be one of these things, but they're illustrative of us. And they should get us thinking, what are our gifts? One spirit, many gifts to all believers. Can you see what the impact of this teaching would have had on a status-anxious, spiritually superior church like Corinth? You know, the those that would have believed that the best Christians are the ones with the greatest gifts, the most spiritual influence, the largest social network, they must be the best Christians. They're the ones we need. But actually, we are all Christians of the same value, those that believe that Jesus is Lord, because we have all been given gifts by the same Spirit. And if we would just take the time to get to know one another, we would see the treasure in each other. People are remarkable. If we just take the time to hear each other's stories, the good news that God has done in the lives. I love that we shared that video from the young people at the start. Wasn't it wonderful to hear the stories of what God has been doing in their lives, the gift that they are to the church? But if we take that time with one another to hear one another's stories, we'll soon see the gift that we are to one another and the gifts that we've been given by God for each other. Verse 11, all these are the work of the one and the same spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. So you've got verse seven. If you can highlight it, do run your thing through it. Now to each one, all of us has been given a gift and they are gifts from God. You might want to circle each one. You might want to circle is given. Because the emphasis here is that these are gifts, which means that they have been given to us. One commentary read that I, I was, when I was preparing this week said, we are just empty hands filled by a generous God. It means that the Corinthians have got it wrong when they say, look at the gifts that I'm displaying, well done me. Instead, we should be saying, Look at the gifts that God has given to us. Thank you, God. The spiritual gifts that God has been pouring out on the church are as diverse and as complementary as we are. There is something that you hold that is part of God's good design that contributes to the overall health of this church family. There's an individual challenge and a question that we all must have. God, why have you brought me here? And what gift have you given me? But there's also individual assurance that these gifts are from God. It's not by accident, but by design that God has given you what you have. But there is a collective responsibility. We're to be engaging with one another and calling out the good in each other and saying, how am I a gift to you? And how are you a gift to me? How can I call that goodness out and help you mature into the good thing that God is doing in you? What part do I have to play in drawing out the good gifts that God has given to you? Because they are given from God to all for 
each other for the common good. You might want to circle that last bit of verse seven. Sort of our final point today that's illustrated by Paul through this image of the body. The Christian body, the Christian church is a body. And so the body needs all its parts. The Corinthians had begun to think in those sort of clear categories of those on the inside and those on the outside, the strong and the weak. And there's a small step from there really to think there are some people in our community that we need and there are some people who just don't belong in our community. We don't need them anymore. And um, here at St. Thomas's, we want to play our part. Ben kind of set that stall out at the beginning. Part of the vision of what we're trying to do here as a church is to play our part in seeing the kingdom of God come across the northeast of England. We want to see Newcastle and the whole region transformed by the good news of Jesus, the gospel. And as we talk about that grand vision and playing our part alongside other amazing faithful church communities across this region, we could easily give the impression that some are needed and some are not. And that is not at all how we run our own bodies. Verse 14, even so, the body is made up not of one part, but of many. And to really drill this illustration home, he runs it in two ways so we get that point. Verse um, where have I put it here? Verse 15 says, Now, um, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. And verse 21 says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. So there's two ways he's running it. He's speaking to two groups of people, those who feel like they do not belong. And to those who feel like saying, I don't need you. Paul uses this illustration to speak to both of them and say, that is not how we run our bodies. Let's look at these together. Verse 15 to 20 and then verses 21 to 26. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Would it for that reason stop being part of the body? No. Membership of the body is decided by God. God is the one who has been bringing people to be part of the church. God is the one who is calling people to join in with this wonderful plan, this wonderful enterprise, this wonderful family that is the church. And your gifting was chosen for you by the Spirit, verse 11, just as he determines. Now, other people here might look a certain way and be different to who we are, but that's the wonderful complexity and colour and creativity that is made within the body that is the church. There's wonderful diversity, beautiful variety, but by joining us together and through the way that we love one another, John 13, the world will know that we are his disciples. Something of the way that we're together in our diversity, unified in our complexity, will speak of the glory and the goodness of God to Newcastle and the Northeast. People might look different to you. I might look different to you and you might look different to me. But it wouldn't be great if we were just one big fat eyeball, would it? And that's the point that Paul's making here in 1 Corinthians 12. Because one big fat eyeball sounds horrific, doesn't it? 
And the point that Paul is making here in this illustration is that it's nonsensical if we all wanted to be the same. That wouldn't be good. It's the thing of horror movies to see a floating eyeball. That's not the kind of community that Paul is saying a healthy church should look like. Verse 18, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. You can imagine the comparison in Corinth, can't you? People looking at the spiritually powerful, those with the influence, those who can prophesy, those who can preach from the Bible, those who've got the most eloquent prayers. And people must have felt really bad if they weren't on the inside. You know, if we have created a body intentionally or unintentionally, where at times some members do not feel like they belong, then we are truly sorry. We're doing it wrong. And this gift of a chapter in 1 Corinthians 12 is a wonderful reminder to us that God's perfect plan for us is far greater than that. And there is something we can be doing together empowered by the Spirit when we confess our sin to move towards health in the body. So to those who feel like nobody needs them, remember the assurance of 1 Corinthians 12. You are a gift to us. We wouldn't be St. Thomas's without you and you have gifts for us from God for the common good. And we get to go on that adventure of finding them together. And then finally, the other half of the illustration Verse 26, to those who feel overly important. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Now on the one hand, it makes sense, doesn't it? Feet are just a little bit odd and a little bit gross and heads look so important. You're looking at me now with your heads and you all look so beautiful. I mean, it makes sense to hide the feet, right? We don't really need them. When I was growing up, my dad kicked a brick in the garden and his feet got mashed up. They look horrible. You wouldn't want them on display. In fact, I wouldn't want to see your feet now if you, if you offered to get them out as an illustration for this talk. Um, feet look weird, don't they? Um, <laughs> What's the point I'm trying to make? I'd say, I'm trying to understand the Corinths here. Why is Paul writing this to them? If, if those in the room in Corinth were looking around thinking, oh gosh, I feel so important. People need me. You know, and we don't really need them. I think Paul would try to say to them, well, why don't you try and walk home from your meeting tonight without your feet and see how you get on? Because the parts of the body that seem weaker are actually indispensable, verse 22. So there should be no division in the body and all parts should have equal concern to one, for one another. Bodies should not compete with themselves if they are to be healthy. I'm not a GP. I'm not a physio. I'm an amateur theologian doing my best to walk us through this chapter in 1 Corinthians 12. But this is what it looks like to bodybuild. This is what it looks like to be healthy as a church. Bodies should not compete with themselves. And it's unhelpful, Paul is saying, for you to compare yourself to one another. Comparison and competition are unhealthy in our bodies. We don't run our bodies that way. So why would we run the church that way? 
Comparison and competition will cripple us if we let it. Who we are and what we have and how we use it must be grounded in love and service, mutual concern for one another, verse 25. And gifts that are not used in love are of little value, Paul will go on to say in that beautiful chapter in 1 Corinthians 13, something you may have read, heard, um, heard read at a wedding before in the past. But the use of the gift should always be motivated by a desire to bless and serve one another. So we're not to overvalue our gifts to say, oh, we don't need certain people, but we're not to undervalue our gifts too. We are deliberately placed by God in a family. You can't be a Christian alone. God's design for us is to gather together in a church. He has called each and every one of us. And we are uniquely gifted for the health of this family. You are a gift. And you have gifts for the common good, for the building up of one another. And part of our collective responsibility, our equal to concern, is to look for the treasure in one another and call it out. And to say, that is fantastic. I love the way that you bless me. Sometimes it will look like teaching in small groups or at the front. Sometimes it will look like prayer and intercession. Sometimes as I look around, it will look like faith and faithfulness. As I look at this beautiful church family, there are some people who just come each and every week and your consistent loving presence in this community and your gift of faith is a blessing to us. It speaks of the faith and the faithfulness of God to us. It's a sign and a symbol of the goodness of God. And we're not to over-spiritualise it like the Corinthians who were looking for the spectacular, who were looking, who were status crazy and status anxious. But actually, we are to treasure one another in our body because the gifts are given to all from God and for one another. And so when we approach church, how can we apply this? Well, as we approach church, when we see the welcome sign outside and the people with lanyards are standing there, exercising that beautiful gift of hospitality and welcome, we, got to, we can say, wow, that's my body in there. We need each other. The eye needs the foot and the foot needs the ear. I'm not competing with them. I don't need to compare myself with them. I'm certainly not competing for God's love this morning. I'm here to love God and to use my gifts in service of others, to help others. And so we can say, Lord, a genuine prayer, we can say, Lord, while I'm here, show me someone I can bless today. Show me someone I can honour and serve. How might the gifts you've given me be used to build up another. As part of our response, we're going to share in communion together. Now, could I invite you to stand, please, and invite the band up?